Welcome to Wonderings and Musings. I am your host, Yunia. Hi. So I want to start off by saying this has been the hardest recording thus far. Um, I got a mic and it's not exactly compatible with my phone, which is very annoying because I could record and then find out it has all of the static noise, which is the point of the mic to get rid of some of the noise and just make the sound better. But anyway, let's get into it. Today, I want to talk about something that's sort of been building inside of me for a couple of years. You know, whenever you read a story and there's just something about it that sticks with you. Um, for me, it's the unsung hero of the story. I know there's certain stories where, like, for real, the hero is the hero. Fine, great. But, like, there are also background heroes that I feel like don't get enough shine. Um, fair enough, because, like, you know, you need the main character in every story. So it's fine. But I just like to learn one or two things from the unsung heroes because there's a lot of meekness and humility that goes into being that person but anyway <laughs> i'm skipping all the way to the lesson before we actually talk about whatever it is that we're talking about which is the unsung heroes of the bible and so i have like four or five characters that i've picked that i feel like when i read the scriptures these were people that i was like hmm you know what? You played a very important role. Like, I, I dig that. So we're going to look at those. And so this came out because I recently rewatched The Lord of the Rings, which are amazing movies, by the way. It's a trilogy. Um, definitely check it out. Absolutely amazing movies. They're insanely long, though. Um, three hours, 45 minutes. Um, so, you know, <laughs> they're long. I don't know what else I can say, but they're so well done like not a single shot was wasted in that movie like every scene is important every scene builds to the story you know there's so many movies out there where you're watching and just like this is so unnecessary like we could have cut out 20 minutes of this movie perfectly fine like there's so many movies that i've watched then without sound because i'm just like it's not that deep but like the lord of the rings you have to hear every word you have to watch every scene and it's just it's really really amazing um, it took me a couple of days to watch those movies because I couldn't, but definitely worth it. And so something that struck me was, um, so there's two characters. There is the ring bearer and there is um, Sam. Sam is the friend of the ring bearer who also happens to be his gardener. And what we see in the movie is that Sam goes with the ring bearer all the way into the end he helps him it's a very tough journey because the ring keeps eating at him uh, by the way it's a fantasy film so if you're not into fantasy i can see how you you've come this far in life and haven't watched it yet but you should definitely try you know it's one of those movies that are like worth trying for even if it's not the particular genre that you're into um but yeah so he goes all the way to the end with him and it's a really tough 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 journey and so many times um the ring bearer tells him that you know you can go back you can you don't have to go with me and he's like no nah, i'm going with you like i'm sticking with you at one point they have this companion um who pits them against each other but sam is just like nah i'm I, i'm not quitting like i signed up for this i'm going with you and so um we see sam going all the way into the end and i just feel like 
Sam is the unsung hero of that movie. Like, I don't know if anyone would watch The Lord of the Rings, look back at it, and not remember Sam. And the thing is, um, when all is said and done, when the history books report the events, <laughs> they will talk about the ring bearer and how great and mighty he was for taking up the challenge. And yes, it was a heavy burden to carry the ring and all of that. And we don't really know why he was strong enough or why he out of everyone was kind of quote-unquote chosen why he was kind of chosen but we do know that we do know that um he is able to overcome the whispers of the ring the evil whispers of the ring and so he isn't easily tempted by it that makes him like that makes it able for him to go and take the ring to be destroyed because like it's corrupt in the whole world it's just it's, it's intense okay but anyway it's been five it's almost five minutes and i've been talking and the point of this is the unsung heroes of the bible so i have a list uh, let's just dive right into it and i want to go on something that i feel like this one people pay attention but not so much maybe you've never dipped it the way i have so i want us to look at the boy with the two fish and the five loaves of bread We've all heard the miracle. Jesus fed 5,000 men plus women and children. By the way, it's 5,000 men. And then the children and women were not accounted for. So um, the number is plus plus. You get like it was 5,000 plus women plus children. So we don't really know the exact number of people that he fed, but it was more than 5,000. Anyway, details aside, I want to get into the little boy. Now, when we look at, you know, the very interesting thing about this is that according to John 6 verse 9, um, it says, there's a young boy here with um, five barley loaves and two fish. What good is this? What good is that with this huge crowd? So the disciple um, that had spotted the kid with food, because at this point, uh, Jesus had been preaching to these people and they were far away from the city and there was no food and all of that. And the disciples were like, hey man, how about you let these people go so that they can go and eat and we can rest as well because like it's been a long day and there's no food here. We are so far away from the city. And Jesus is like, no, um, what do you have? Right. And so when he asked them, what do you have? They don't really have anything. I think they had money because they were like, they were willing to go and buy, uh, yeah, they were willing to go and buy food, but then Jesus is like, what do you have on hand? And so one of the disciples looks at this kid and he's like, and I'm calling him a kid because that's how the scriptures recorded. There was a young boy, not even a young man. There was a young boy. God bless this kid, one, for even following the crowd. Even if he was just following for hype at all, I heard Jesus is this side, so he's going because he wanted first-hand testimony when he's sharing it and he's like i saw jesus do a miracle blah 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 i don't even care why this kid was following okay these people were tired the day was long they had been following for a long way he was smart enough okay to carry food for himself the kid had measured in equinienda i'm gonna need food for the people that don't understand what i just said where i am going i am going to need food okay and this disciple goes well there's a kid with two fish and five loaves in my head immediately. You know, being the little boy, I'm just like, excuse me, Mr. Excuse me, Mr. Disciple, but like, who says I want to give away my food? 
who's it? I, you know, at this point, see, I get that they had been <clears throat> used to Jesus doing miracles, okay, performing miracles. Great. But up until this point, I don't think we have seen Jesus multiply food. We've seen him turn water into wine. So we know he can work with food, but we haven't seen him feed a crowd this large. So for them to just be like, yeah, um, we've got this kid who's got two fish and five loaves was pretty bold of them. But we're not talking about the faith of of the disciples because he was even like, but what good is that to this crowd? Meaning he didn't know. He didn't have the slightest idea that he that Jesus was going to multiply that food. But he offered up the food anyway. First of all, very aggravating to me because it's like, why are you offering up my food, sir? Why? And I can just, here's the thing, I like food, guys. I really like food. And I can't imagine just somebody offering up my food. But anyway, so um, we see the kid give his food. And of course, Jesus performs the miracle. And all the people are fed. I can imagine the joy and excitement that kid went home with. Like, my food was multiplied by God and it fed 5,000 plus people. How amazing of a story is that to tell? And... There's just so much to learn because already for me, I'm looking at this and I'm like, I could never, <laughs> I could never, <laughs> if I was the kid in the crowd with like two fish, I'd just be like, uh-uh, what do you want from me now? But but we see the kid um, provide a way for a miracle to be performed. It is important um, that we make ourselves available for a miracle. There is something that I've heard over and over as I've grown up is, Inasmuch as God is able and mighty to do great and miraculous things, um, he cannot do anything if a person is not present, if a man is not available. God chooses to do things through man on this earth. Um, And so we learn from the kid that we should make ourselves that person. We should make ourselves the man. I think in Isaiah, there's the question... um, he was praying and he was like, who will I send? And Isaiah is like, here I am, Lord, you can send me. Um, it's important to be that person that's just like, you know what, God, you can use me. And it really just changes the whole story because imagine the kid was not there. <laughs> imagine the five loaves were not there and the two loaves were not there. We wouldn't have had that miracle. Of course, it happened later on again. This time it was 4,000 men and women and children and counting and all of that but i don't want to get into that one i just want to focus on the kid and i think he's the unsung hero number one and then we have her her is the guy in exodus now we don't hear about him a lot but we find him in exodus 17 i believe 17 verse 12 and her is the guy that comes up when the Israelites are fighting against Amalek. Amalek, I think that's his name. And so Joshua goes to battle. And for them to win the battle, the rule that God gives Moses is that he needs to hold his hands up. Um, and as long as his hands are up, they're going to win. So for every time his hands come down, they start to lose the battle. And so the battle goes on for a very long time. Like the whole day they're just fighting because, you know, battles, right? And Joshua and her realize, oh my gosh, Mr. Old Man is getting tired, right? And so they place a stone and Moses sits down and Joshua holds one hand and her holds the other hand and they hold the hands up 
until the battle is won and everything is done and good, right? Now, I remember being told about her when I was in high school and our school chaplain is the one that had mentioned him. And I remember he said, be like her, have that her anointing, which is the anointing that allows you to be in the background, the anointing that does not require you to be in the spotlight. As long as the work of God progresses, you find glory in the work of God progressing. You find joy in the work of God progressing without anyone ever looking at you and saying, huh, who's that? You know what I mean? And I remember when he said that, I think I was like 16 and I kept that with my in my whole heart. And I don't even think I had read the scripture yet, but I was just like, I'm going to run with this and I want to be that person. Because so many times we want to be the person that's like, in the forefront we want to be the heroes of the story we want to be the ones that are remembered when the stories are told we want to be the ones that they say oh you know david killed a thousand and blah 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 but of course um joshua we know and oh sorry it was actually aaron so joshua was in the battle aaron and her so aaron we know her we don't know much about but he was actually one of um the people that were moving closely with um, moses but we don't know much about him. And again, it's important for us to learn from him, the humility that he takes. And also, I know sometimes people have this connotation where if you don't hear about a character later on in the Bible, it means they did something wrong. I don't think that's true. In so many cases, um, much like the stories I'm going to talk about today, I think people did something significant and they played their part. And then we don't hear about them again because that's just it. That, that was their role in the story. And in as much as it isn't, to the to the eye like to the open eye doesn't seem like it was such a big role it is such a big role because um if aaron was holding the arms up alone even he would have tired after a while like okay so can you just imagine the awkwardness of like <laughs> him being behind moses and then holding up his arms it would have just been a whole thing so you know there's a scripture that says a cord of something something is easily broken but one of three is not okay i can't quote that one properly but the one that i do remember is that if two are together at least they can keep each other warm but the one that's alone is gonna die out in the winter something like that it, i think it's in proverbs you know I, I don't want to lie but the point is two is better than one and we have something to learn from her and I hope all of us can just be okay with being the unsung hero. But I am taking the time to point out these heroes that I feel like played a very pivotal role. Yeah. So unsung hero number three. We have Joseph of Arimathea. Now Joseph is talked about uh, much like the five loaves and two fish kind of kid. But today I want to paint a bit more of a picture around Joseph of Arimathea. Now, if you don't know who this guy is, he's the guy who um, brought, whose tomb was used. By the way, it was a fresh tomb, but we'll get into that in a minute. He's the guy whose tomb was used to bury Jesus. Now, why is this guy important? I think he was important because, one, Jesus had to die, okay? We already know that. But he also had to be buried and resurrect. Um, we know this because the prophecy that was before it, the foreshadowing, we know that the Old Testament is a foreshadowing of the New Testament. And we know from the story of Jonah that he had to be uh -huh, swallowed. You know what I mean? Buried. So that was a bit of a important thing that, need to, that needed to happen. And it wouldn't have happened without Joseph. But also, um, I want to talk about 
influence in the kingdom of god so many times and i have a problem with this because <laughs> maybe because i feel like i am not necessarily called to the pulpit and maybe this is why it's heavy on my heart or oh, god just really wants me talking about this i don't know i'm not gonna lie you know poor better. i don't know if it's me or the spirits you know what i mean but there is a role everyone has to play and there is a role that um i like to call them church finances okay it is important to have church finances. It's important to have people in media. It's important to have people in entertainment. God calls us all to different things. And I feel like Joseph is one of those people that we can learn from that was called for a different thing. Now we see that, um, so according to, I did a little history check and whatever. Um, we see that it was, Joseph was a prominent council member who was himself waiting for the kingdom of God, um, coming and taking courage went into Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus, right? Okay, so this is somewhere in Mark, um, Mark 15, 43 and Luke 23, 50, I think. So somewhere along those lines, we know from the scriptures, right, that he was a member of the Sanhedrin in Jerusalem, which is like a, you know, like the top tiers, you know, those people that are like big. And we know that he was rich and he was held in high position because, and I love the fact that the scripture emphasizes that coming and taking courage. So even if he was a person of influence, it had to take courage, one, for him to step up to Pilate and say, hey man, how about we take down the body of Jesus and give him a proper burial, which by the way, was against the law because the type of death that Jesus died was one of a criminal and the whole point of that was to shame the person you are killing right they had to die in shame they had to live there and let the vultures eat them and everything but he's like eh, this is kind of like my lord and savior this is god himself how about we give him a proper burial and so and also the sabbath was coming so they were just like let's honor his body and so he takes jesus and he puts him in this very new tomb the bible is very clear about that it was a freshly like freshly carved tomb so this was not like just a, a tomb that his great great grandfathers had been buried in those bones no this man had enough money to give jesus a new tomb and i think that's so dope and so jesus is taken down and they bury him and of course the resurrection happens and you know all of that the angel comes rose the stone it's amazing we love it amazing story but let's backtrack we have Joseph of Arimathea. And I just think the role that he plays is so powerful. One, the fact that he uses his influence to do something so miraculous, you might even say, something so daring, but also realizes that as a person, because if you look at the disciples, yes, there was a doctor, there was a tax collector and all of that, but of all the disciples, he was the one that was in the position to be able to do such a thing. And even though he doesn't get the glory for anything, maybe we don't see the importance of Jesus being buried. It's, it's a detail that we might easily glide over. But I think it's important that we see him. I, I, for me, I feel like what he did was so, it was cool. I think it was nice and it was dope. And it adds to the miracle of Jesus resurrecting and, you know, the women finding the tomb empty and all of that stuff. So that's my unsung hero, Joseph of Arimathea. And last but not least, we have the queen mother herself. Okay. Okay. Saying queen mother sounds very Nigerian movie. Sounds very satanic. But, and I know this person gets a lot of praise because the whole song was written about her some people pray to her and all of that so technically she's not really an unsung hero but let me dive deeper into why i think she's an unsung hero 
Now, when we look at Jewish culture, we've come to learn that around the time that Mary and Joseph were getting married, they were teens. They were like in their late teens. So Mary might have been 15, 16. That's if she wasn't married off early, you know. Um, and then maybe Joseph was like 18, 19. That's about the age that they were around. Okay, if we look back at history, historians have done that to my research and whatever. You know what I mean? You can Google that stuff. Now, Mary at 16 is a very devout Jew. And I don't know her family history well enough, but we do know that she is cousins with Elizabeth, who Elizabeth is also married to Zachariah. So we know there's a little bit of holiness running around in the family. We know that these are people that know God. And why do I say this is because when we look at the angel coming to Mary and the angel is like, you've been favored of God and you're going to be a child. Mary just goes, okay, do you know the amount of strength it takes? The amount of faith. Let us backtrack to the kid with the five loaves and the two fish. Remember how I said I couldn't give my fish? If God today decided, Junior, I'm going to use your body for some miracle, baby. <laughs> At 16, 16 year old me would have just. You know, remember my last podcast, I said, I'm more of a Gideon. I've just been like, God, are you sure it's me? How do I know that it's you? Is it really you, Yahweh? That would have been a back and forth. I know for sure. I know myself, that would have been a back and forth between me and God to be making sure that it is not the devil whispering lies in my ears. But Mary, mighty, honorable Mary, favored of God, just goes, let it be according to what you've said. The amount of faith. And then, you know, at this point, um, Joseph hasn't even been told anything. Mary doesn't know if Joseph has been told anything. We just know that Mary agrees to be this vessel and she is engaged to be married. And even to this day, if you're pregnant before marriage, it's a scandal. It's going to blow all over. Like just recently. Okay, I don't want to get into that. That's gossip. But like recently, you know, even just now, you, you can't get married and you're pregnant. So it's all this, it's the only thing people are going to talk about. Even if you guys were planning on getting married and you just so happen to get pregnant three days before the marriage, it's all we are going to talk about. You are pregnant before marriage. Unfortunately, that's just how the world is. But Mary honors God, chooses to honor God and become this vessel that obviously Jesus has been prophesied about and all of that stuff. And so I just want to look at Mary's life. I feel like she must have been somebody that was very, very devout. Someone that really believed in the coming of the Messiah. Um, which is very interesting because many of the Jews, because Jesus was prophesied as a king and all of that, you know, he'll bring peace and shiny. Many people had this image that he was going to come glorious and mighty and powerful and full of money. But something about Mary or something about the relationship that Mary had with God allowed her to believe that, yes, I will be the vessel. Mary of no real standing in society. Mary, unmarried Mary. I don't think it's mentioned in the prophecies that Jesus will come through a virgin. I don't think that part was mentioned. But Mary honors God, chooses to honor God with her body and, and accepts. And of course, Joseph hears about it and he's just like, no, because Mary tells him, he's like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm a child. And Joseph is just like, eh, who's child? What kind of scandal? <laughs> Have you seen the TikToks about Jesus, about Mary uh, telling Joseph? And then Joseph is just like, because there's this one that's ringing in my head where um, <laughs> Mary asked Joseph, like, 
how did you warm the food? And then Joseph is like, with the microwave. And Mary is like, Joseph, we don't have the microwave. And then Joseph is like, you see how that sounds, Mary? You see how that sounds? It's just, it's a very interesting <laughs> dynamic. I feel like Joseph is an unsung hero on his own. But I don't want to talk about him. Um, I feel like Mary is the one I want to focus on. And just the the role that she took up to be Jesus' mother, to raise him in a society that would have damned her. Not only, I think sometimes we focus too much on the fact that Jesus was being um, pursued to be killed, right, by Herod and all of that. I think that's the only hardship we think about. But if, if you really dip it, Mary had to live until Jesus ascended. I am pretty sure there were always people that were looking at her snickering in the back and saying, hmm, that's the child she claims is the Messiah. <laughs> that's the child she went into marriage with. <laughs> Do you know that's not Joseph's child? Forever and ever, that was the burden that she had to carry. And I feel like sometimes we glide over that fact. We glide over the fact that as a woman in that time and day, even today, it's not easy. But you can imagine what it was like being a woman in that day um, and your firstborn child does not belong to your husband and forever and ever everyone knows that because it was one of those things where it's either joseph said he slept with his wife before <laughs> and lie which was not good or just say like hey, god told me and he and surely an angel came because he denied at first and then the angel was like no you need to chill this child is of god and so of course it was something they had to deal with together but I think it was a heavier burden on Mary than we'd like to talk about. It was, it was a huge thing because I have seen society shame women left, right and center for children out of wedlock. And for you to not just have a child, but to claim that that child is God, that that child is the Messiah. And all the prophecies are telling you, oh, the Messiah is going to be king, is going to come and save us. And then you're just like, because even when Jesus started performing miracles, People are like, eh, isn't that the son of the carpenter? So, you know, even just Jesus himself was doubted. But you can imagine, so you can imagine what it was like, like um, being the mother of that child that is going around claiming to be God, but also you saying that God made me pregnant. Like how? How? And of course, the story of Mary has been translated. Um, we know in, in Greek mythology, there's the whole Zeus coming up on Shani. It's been translated in many ways, but... I just feel like Mary is an unsung hero because we don't um, look at the burden of being Jesus' mother enough. I, I think we don't see it enough. And um, lesson from it is just, hey man, just honor God. Like, just honor God. Of course, there was no wealth. There was no money. Jesus did not at one point miraculously bring money. No, he worked. You know, he did his father's work. He was a carpenter up until the ministry started and then he died jesus didn't die with any real money he did not bring his mother wealth honestly he did not bring his mother glory apart from maybe like post jesus yeah we see maybe like mary being honored and stuff only religious truly religious um people like truly holy people maybe honored mary but to the normal man jesus brought shame upon mary jesus brought a burden upon mary and she didn't see it that way she didn't see it as a burden. Uh, and if she did, it's not recorded that way. And I don't think she did because the way she easily agreed, the way she, for all the moments, because even when Jesus was dying, she was there every step of the way. You know, when Jesus performs his first miracle, she's the one that probes him. And there is a lot of history that talks about um, that there were signs that Jesus 
could perform miracles as he was growing up. I've never really looked into it, so I don't want to dive into that. But we see that Mary was a supportive mother all the way. And it must have been a very interesting dynamic also to have your child be your God, be your savior. <laughs> very interesting. But yeah, those are my unsung heroes. Another one I wanted to talk about was um, Simon the Syrian. I think that's what he's called. Um, there's a bit of scandal. There's a bit of scandal because um, the Bible says that he was forced to carry it. And so others do not see the point in honoring him um, or saying that what he did was noble. Uh, so Simon is the guy who helped uh, Jesus carry the cross. And he carried the cross. Um, it's somewhere about the fifth or the seventh stop or like the fifth to the seventh stop. I'm not quite sure of the details. Um, and I think it was just honorable. Whether he was forced or not, I don't know really. I did like even if he was forced, I feel like he could have um said no. Um and I know it seems like no because like think about it, okay? There's all these things and I don't think it was custom to just force someone. So there is a theory that it's possible that he might have looked sympathetic towards jesus and so they're like oh you same one carried but I, I don't know i just feel like um the fact that he because he could have he could have done a capita like i don't know this guy i don't need to carry it and whatever whatever or maybe they would have beaten him <laughs> so and so he was afraid and so he just carried the cross i'm not really sure so i don't want to really dive into something i'm not very sure about but i do want to mention that when i think about unsung heroes i do think about simon because i think Carrying the cross was not easy. Um, forced or not, that was not an easy burden to um, thingy. And the fact that the fact that they even let him carry it has never really made sense to me because it was like, were people allowed to help the criminals carry the cross? If so, why did none of the disciples offer it up, offer themselves up to help him? Because you know, there's 12 of them, and it's um, I think it's called Via Della Rosa. I had the chance to walk a mock-up of it. I, I did a hike once a couple of years ago in Italy. Um, and it's it's a long trick. It's a very long trick. And if, yeah, it's the hill of Gogota. Yeah, so you're going up a hill. And it was just, it was hell, guys. <laughs> so you can imagine carrying it with the cross and everything. So like, and there were 12 stops. Yeah, my point is that there's 12 steps. Um, and those 12 disciples, see, they could have offered themselves up to carry it. But anyway... Um, I don't know much about that, but I will say, I think what he did was honorable. And every time I think of the story of Jesus, I think of Simon as well, because he helped Jesus carry the cross. And I think that was pretty dope. So thank you for listening. Thank you for coming to the end. And when I tell you this has been the hardest podcast to record, <laughs> it's been so hard. And there's probably a lot of noise in the background. I'm sorry. I had to stop and start and stop and start. I like to do my podcast in one take. Um, just because it's called wanderings and musing for, for a reason. When I'm musing about something, I just want to talk about it and then have it done and produced to raw. Um, like I said, this is a public journal. So you can imagine like you record and then I cried and then you stop writing. And then three hours later, you're like, because you dumped me. It's, it's just weird. <laughs> so if the energy is off, I apologize. Thank you for listening. Thank you. Thank you. Until next time, keep wondering.